Awesome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Adam. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, a, it's great to be here. This is like the flagship. You can be seated uh, for New Life. And um, Pastor Adam and Pastor Anita do such a great job bringing New Life churches, I know, uh, to a whole new level. Uh, Pastor John and Julie were so awesome. They gathered us together. And then uh, Pastor Adam and Anita have just taken it to a whole new thing as well. And so we're just blessed. And it's great to, uh, to be here and uh, to see some uh, Sam Old and some new friends. Well, Three weeks ago, I, I uh, was standing in the tallest uh, hotel in Thailand, uh, 83rd floor, I think it was. Mark and my, my son and I just returned from India, been there for a week or so. And yeah, it was a great place, Anita. And, uh, and so, uh, so uh, but he was going to leave me. And so we, uh, we, we, we hugged and we prayed and I prayed. And so, uh, and, um, you know, we, we, we cried, I cried. And uh, there was the odd tear in his eye I saw, but, you know, he, w- he was on his way to, uh, he wasn't going far. It sounds like, you know, he's going to, uh, to Africa for 20 years, but actually, no, he was, he was just going to Vietnam for 12 days. And, but, uh, but it was still a, you know, still a wrench for me because, you know, that's, that's what fathers feel, isn't it? And, uh, you know, the father's love is so powerful. Uh, it's, so, it's so primary. And I think because of that, it's, it can be potentially a bit painful uh, if, if things go wrong. But everybody's on a journey to, to sort of, find their father and even if they know their father my dad's gone now and I, I sit there and I think Jeff only if only I had have like you know got my act together earlier so I could have talked to him about real things in life instead of you know how the cows and whatever and I, I wish I had done that um, but everybody understands this is a powerful it's a powerful relationship and so they made lots of movies about it you know uh, you know uh, um, Star Wars I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> No, you know, no, and better ones than that. I did write down a good one here. Uh, yes, Lion King, that's right. And even Eniander Any- Jones was trying to find his friend as well, his father, rather, in the, in the Last Crusade. So, you know, it's a big deal. And there's lots of serious movies as well about fathers who have grown up, men who have grown up, trying to find out, trying to reconnect, trying to discover their father's heart, trying to come back, maybe reconcile with their father. And so I think it's hardwired in all of our lives and all of our hearts to, 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 to find our father and discover that relationship with him better, but even more so the relationship with our heavenly father. And uh, I think it's just uh, written into us. And so this morning, I want to talk about finding the father's favor. Finding the Father's Favor, or I had another title called uh, Wearing the Father's Robe, but I haven't developed that enough. So here it is. It's Finding the Father's Favor. Now, our journey begins to come to, to, to find the Father's Favor. When we were like the prodigal son, we are away from God, and we, under, we begin to realize that our Creator uh, has, uh, has something better for us than what we are enjoying. We realize that, you know, to be a servant of the Father is better than to be free in the pigsty. And, we come, and we, so we decide that we're going to return to our Father. And, and when we get there, we find that actually the Father's reception to us is better than we imagined. And so I've been on that journey. You have as well. Uh, but there's something about that that, that makes me wonder. Uh, and that is, on the day, two years ago, 20 years ago, we came back to our Father and we enjoyed his uh, forgiveness. We enjoyed his favor. We enjoyed the sense of his robe of righteousness being put around about us. And we sort of sensed that he was happy and he was celebrating us. And we were certainly glad to be home. But then, uh, but, but what about 20 years later? And what about 10 years later? Do we still feel the Father's favor? Do we still feel like he's celebrating us? Does it, does it still feel like to us he's dancing around us saying, yes, you're home and I love you and I'm with you every day and I'm going to favor you with the biggest cow I can find? Does it still feel like that? 
I, I have to admit that in my life, I, I've been through times where I knew it in my mind, but I, I just didn't feel like, I just didn't feel it. And it felt like somehow I, I lost the robe and somehow I'd slipped the father's coat off and I'd gone out the back and I was now serving to find his favor, serving to maintain his favor, serving to just somehow keep his favor on my life. And somehow the favor which was grace had become a favor which was hopeful. And so I just thought about this and, I, and maybe like you, you've, you've been in that uh, place too. So what I did one time is I began to think, you know what, I'm going to do a bit of a study. I like to do that. And so I said, I'm going to study all the people in the Old Testament where the Bible says the Lord was with him and see what happened when the Lord was with them. So uh, obviously I studied the, the life of David and the Bible says that the Lord was with David. And so everything David did, like he prospered him in his battles and he, he, he elevated him and took him from the sheepfold to the throne and clothed him with royal robes. And so yeah, God was with David and that was cool. And then there was Hezekiah, the king, who, who God says, um, and the Lord was with Hezekiah and prospered him everywhere he went. So every step he took, everywhere he went, Hezekiah, the Lord was with him, so he prospered him. And then I thought, oh, that's really good, Lord, that's, that's it. Well, I don't want the Lord to be with me, prosper every place I go. And then I got to Joseph in Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and the master saw the Lord was with him, and so the Lord made everything to prosper in his hand. And so because the Lord was with Joseph, everything he did, everything he touched, everything he touched turned to gold like King Midas. So he was, he was prospered and he was blessed and he had favor because he was, uh, because the Lord was with him. And I thought, yeah. So what I learned from that is that it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter who is not with you so long as the Lord is with you. And it, do, it doesn't matter what you don't have, but, but it matters who you do have in your life. And so because God was with him, he was prospering and he was uh, being blessed by God. And I thought, well, that's cool in the Old Testament. That's, that, that's nice. And I thought, well, what about those who, what about, and then I thought, oh, New Testament. Okay, so the Lord was with Jesus. We know that. The Lord was with him, and he went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil. And I thought, well, if Jesus is going to be with him. And so, uh, you know, that's hard to not to do. And so, uh, and so, but then at the end of Matthew, Jesus gathers his church, his disciples, us. And he says, and lo, I am with you always. And I thought, oh, that's cool. But so, so where God is with five people, he is with them. Uh, literally with them in the Old Testament in a real way, which actually prospered their life and changed their life. Now we're saying that he's actually with all of us. Every New Testament Christian, I am with you, lo, I am with you, and I'm with you to the end of the age. Uh, you can't get away from my being with you. You know, where can I go, heaven or hell? I'm with you. Uh, I'm going to be with you. And I thought, oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. So that's all of us. And then I thought, what about favor? And so I looked in the Bible to find out who God was favoring. Of course, Joseph, we learned. In fact, Joseph was about the only one where the Bible says the Lord favored him. And so I thought, well, that's, that was pretty rare. And we have to realize, actually, that, that uh, Joseph was favored because his father prophesied favor when he put that robe upon him. You know, and so he was living with the image of his father's favor and the image of his father's love, that he was loved about all, above all his brothers. And so he went into the prison knowing in the back of his mind that he was loved by his father. He had a dream and he had an image in his mind of the intense love and the purpose of his father and what his father believed in him. And so it held him through all the temptations because he had that in his mind. And I thought, okay, so Joseph was favored, but what about in the New Testament? Who was favored there? Well, all of us. Romans says, you know, that we have received abundant grace in Christ Jesus, right? Grace meaning unmerited 
Favor, unmerited favor. So whereas one person might have been favored in the Old Testament because of some uh, anomaly in God's you know, covenant thinking, somehow someone got some favor uh, that might have been unmerited uh, or prophesied at least. But in the New Testament, every Christian gets unmerited favor. Not because of what we do, because we turned up the church, been there 10 years, because we paid our tithes, but he, he favors us because of what Jesus did. So because of what Christ did, he now favors everybody that's in Christ. And I thought, wow. So, so okay, so I, God is with me, and I'm favored by God, and we all are. But somehow, sometimes I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. I was saying, God, okay, in my mind, I know, I am favored. In my mind, you are with me. Lord, you are prospering me because you're with me. This is what the Bible teaches. I, I get that in my mind, but I don't feel it. And so I begin to think about it, and I, asked, I was talking to the Lord about it for a while, and I discovered this. Uh, I discovered that uh, the problem was with my imagination, not with God. My imagination. You see, the, our imagination is, is very powerful. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, that means if you're an atheist and you don't think God exists, you live as if he doesn't exist. You don't enjoy him, you don't acknowledge him, you don't receive from him. You're an atheist, whatever you... Th so, because he thinks like an atheist, he lives like an atheist. That means that what we think is really, really powerful. And so, you know, you could, you could uh, in our imagination, uh, you could think something is not true, even though it is true, and you will live as if, as if it is true. It's an amazing thing. And that means that every, if our imagination is wrong, everything about our life becomes wrong. And, and if ever we're going to do a great thing, so there's gonna live, if we're going to live a great life, you first have to think some great thoughts. So if you're going to produce a corporation that could change the world, produce some money, feed some millions of hungry people, someone first has to imagine that. And so our imagination unlocks or locks up God moving through our life. It's amazing. And here's the thing. It doesn't just change our past but it, uh, our future rather, but it changes our, our present as well. It, it, uh, it determines what we enjoy in the present. For instance, you know, if I say to you, if, I, if you are thinking the stock exchange is going to uh, uh, crash next week and you've got money in the stock exchange, you take your money out of the stock exchange. If you think the house prices are going to crash, you don't buy another house. Even though the crash doesn't come for another 10 years, it changed your life now just because you imagined it. Your imagination changes what you do. Your imagination changes how you live. So if you're Israel coming to the promised land and you imagine that the giants are bigger than your ability to enter, you don't enter. If you don't think you can do it, you don't do it. And your imagination binds you. So if you're a little child and you're in bed and you think that there's a monster under the bed and mom says, get out of bed, the kid doesn't get out of bed. Because there's something bigger in her mind. There's something bigger in her imagination than, uh, you know, than, uh, than her will to get out. There's something that's untrue, is stronger than the truth in her mind. Just her imagination. So here's the point. What I come to is this. God could be with me. And if I didn't imagine that to be true, I lived as if he wasn't. So God could be favoring me and with me every minute of the day. But if I didn't imagine that, if I didn't believe that, I lived as if he wasn't. So, you could, so, so if you don't believe that God is with you, you live a, a stilted, shrunken life. 
If you don't believe God's favoring you, 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 you live a, a restricted life. If you don't believe that God is, is with you and, and loves you and is, and is holding you, you, you don't live a bold and outgoing uh, and confident life because of what you're imagined in your mind. Your imagination is stronger than reality because you imagine He's not with you and it restricts your life. And so I realized, wow, you know, I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to take my imagination back. I've got to reclaim my imagination. I need to begin to imagine what is true. I need to, I need to set my mind on things that are above. I need, to be, I need to get my mind in order. And so uh, I, I made this decision. And this particular day, I, the very day I started this imagining uh, in a fresh way, I, was, uh, I, I had no car. I dropped it off downtown at the mall to get fixed. And also dropped my watch there uh, in the morning. Then I got a bus back home, waited for the whole day in the afternoon. I was going back to pick up my car. So I was sitting at the bus stop and I had 20 minutes to wait, quarter around to wait. And I thought, Lord, I'm going to start right now imagining some stuff. I'm going to imagine some truth. So I imagined God favoring me. And I just sat there in the bus stop and I imagined him just coming to me and loving me and favoring me and smiling at me. I imagine him opening doors for me. I imagine him just blessing me and just favor being poured out like a big waterfall over my life. It was awesome. He was with me and we were hugging and we were holding. We were friends and we were mates. I just imagined all of this. And then the bus came and so both of us got on and we just uh, and we drove down the road together. And I was talking to the Lord and I just kept imagining all the favors that's coming on my life. Thank you, Lord. And I just started imagining. I got to the watch shop and I said, lady, I said, come to pick up my watch. And I said, how much what was it? And she said, oh, that'll be baths, right, nothing. And I said, thank you, Lord. So I went out the, out the door and I went across to the Peugeot dealer. Now, Peugeot dealers, they don't deal cheap. Uh, they, they uh, if there's any, I'm sorry, but you know, honestly, uh, I rung them. It was 450 bucks just for the brake pad. And I says, and that's if I do it. And so I, my car had been there all day uh, on, the, on the planet, the Peugeot computer thing, trying to find some thing anyway it was there all day and i thought i got to mortgage my house just to pay for this and when the manager came out to speak to me in person i thought this is going to be bad and so uh, he came out and he says look we've been working on your car all day this has been this has been a tricky job and i thought he says you can't afford it and neither can the bnz and so uh, you know uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to just reduce it by hundreds and we're going to ask you can you pay 400 bucks and i says can i pay 400 bucks so i'm really happy to pay 400 bucks and so i went outside and been valeted and vacuumed and it was awesome and i drove away and I says, oh, thank you for your favor, Lord. And so, but it's not about money. That's not the point. The point is this. Would God, you know, would God just, just because you imagined him favoring you, I mean, is he going to, is he going to favor you? Well, you know, uh, what is imagining? What is, what is it when we imagine in our mind the truth? When we align our mind with the truth of God's word, what is that? That's, that's, that produces faith. But you are now thinking and believing the truth. You are now saying, actually, you know what? I believe and think the truth about God favoring me. And so, yes, it unlocks God. I mean, if you believe a lie, uh, God doesn't favor me. God's not with me. God's not going to help me. God's uh, miserable, you know. And, and then you, and, and, and do you think that's going to, like, release the power of God? That's unbelief. That's doubt. That's living a lie. But if we could live in faith, if we could live in truth, maybe it'll... Now, some of you are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not the problem with me. My problem would be, you really think, like... God is going to turn up and, and hug you. Uh, you're like, while well, you're sitting in your car and at the bus stop, God's there saying, you know, I'm your friend, I'm your father, sit on my knee, I love you, and, and just I'm going to you know, open doors for you. You really, you really think that he, and out of all the people in the universe where he's got things to do, he's going to turn up and just love you and bless you and just really just love to delight and favor you. Do you, think, you really think that? And I thought about that and I thought, well, this is what I felt the Lord say. 
you know, uh, we don't have to ask the question, uh, could he? Because we know he can. And we only have to ask, would he? I mean, could he? The Bible says, Psalm 115, the Lord does whatever he pleases. So, so you know, nothing's going If He can do whatever he wants. So if he wants to hug you, if he wants to hold you, if he wants to walk with you, if he wants to walk around the park with his arm on your shoulder, and he wants to just favor you all day, make you special in his heart and in, and, and, and in the world, he can do that. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, you know, if he wants to favor Reuben as well as Neil on the same day, he can do that. He's not like, oh, my hand is shortened, you know. I've got enough for Reuben, but I just think I can stretch myself. To... He, he's not like that. He can do whatever he wants. It's called omnipotence. So we don't ask, can he? The only question we have to ask is, would he? Would Father want to walk with us? Would he want to walk with us in the garden? Would, wanna, would he want to walk with us? through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, would he, would he want to love us? Would he want to hold us and be close to us? Is, is, is God like that? Would, would, he want to, would he want to do that? Because, because here's the thing. If we can work out what he would do, then you know he's doing it. It's not like, well, if God would bless me, then maybe tomorrow he will bless me. No, because God does whatever he wants. If he would do it, he's doing it now. He's not, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Uh, there's nothing to stop him doing it now. If that's his character, he does it. So he only got to work out whether he would love me and he is loving me. You've only got to work out whether he would walk with me and he's walking with me. You've only got to work out whether, work out whether he wants to favor us with abundant grace and favor and he's doing it now. And then I came to this awesome verse in Luke 11, which I like. And Jesus said, you know, if you are evil and no uh, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father want to give himself, the Holy Ghost, all that he is to his children? And I thought, mm. you know, I love my kids. I love my kids. Uh, I had a new grandson just two weeks ago and I went around the hospital and there's Donovan, the son-in-law, holding the little boy, Jaden, holding him like this in his chest, in his bosom. And Jesus said, you know, I am in my father's bosom. Jesus understood that, he, that where he was was living in the Father's bosom. And he says, you know, he said, uh, he, fathers love their sons like this. And Jesus said, how much more? How much more does your heavenly Father love his children? And I love helping my kids. I'm always ringing them up saying, you know, is there any, any projects? Are you doing anything? Can I help you? My dad was always coming over to help me. And he was ringing up saying, well, what's happening now? What are we doing? What are we doing? And so, you know, cars, buildings, whatever it was, my dad was there. I'm there for my kids like you. But if we would do that for our kids, how much more? We love our kids. And so, of course, Dad wants to do that. Of course, Father wants to feel like that's how he, if he would do it, he's doing it. We just have to imagine the truth. What we imagine the truth determines a lot of what we can receive from God. Do you know John, the beloved disciple? The Bible says he was leaning on the, on the Father's chest, on Jesus' chest. The Bible says he was loved. The disciple that Jesus loved. Well, Jesus loved all the disciples. How come John gets singled out? He's the one that Jesus loves. Well, it wasn't that Jesus loved him anymore. It was just that John was able to receive the most love. Because he saw Jesus as the Father, the Creator. And he says, man, I'm going to get as close to him as I can. He didn't he just see him as a rabbi, equal. He just saw him as the Creator God in the room. The one who created everything. The Father of everything. The universe. He says, man, I'm going to get close to him. I'm going to lean on his chest. He was loved. So because what John saw 
of Jesus determined what he could receive from him. And so, what we, and, so, and so God wants to change what we see. So blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road and, and he's blind, not following Jesus. But to get him following, Jesus didn't say, here's my 10 rules. He just changed what he could see. As soon as he could see, he followed Jesus. So God doesn't change our life by giving us lots of rules. He changes our life by giving us vision, enabling us to see. Part of that is being able to imagine how much he loves us. So I thought, man, I've got to get my imagination back in order. Do you know, when God thought about us, he imagined us, he made us. And then he said, you know what, these people here are going to be in my image. And so I'm going to, what? I'm going to give them an image, a nation, an imagination. That's not the word I'm trying to say. An imagination. I'm going to give them the ability to imagine like me. And so he creates us with an ability to imagine the Father as a medium between the spirit and the soul of man. And the imagination, in our, it's like a meeting place. It's a medium between the spirit realm and the natural realm. And in this imagination, as a sanctuary where he could meet with us. And so he did. He made it a sanctuary. A meeting place, a garden, a place where he could walk and talk with us. But what happens is the devil says, okay, so if this is the sanctuary, if this is the place where God is going to meet with them, where they're going to imagine the image in the face of their father and receive from him all that he truly is, then I'm going to mess up that imagination. And so from an early age, he tries to destroy and ruin our imagination with images of our father, which may be cruel or absent or, or, um, or just disconnected or cold or, or whatever image, you know, from our natural, uh, imperfect parenting. Sometimes we can communicate that to kids and, and God can forgive that and cleanse us and help us and all of that. But the point is that the devil tries to put a wrong image in our mind from a young age or fill out our mind or imaginations with rubbish and junk and get us, uh, you know, addicted to stuff in our minds which just wreck and ruin and destroy the sanctuary in which God wanted to meet with us. So what I decided to do, is I'm going to start to reimagine, I'm going to recreate this image of my father in my mind. And so the Bible says this, that uh, if we meditate, uh, uh, med meditate on these things that you're profiting might appear to all. Uh, you know, he said, he said to, 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 uh, to Joshua, he said, meditate in the, in the word of God. Uh, and then you shall have good success and prosper in everything that you do. So meditation is the pathway, it's the doorway, it's the key uh, to prospering and having the Lord with you, prospering you in all that you do. And so you have to imagine it, you have to meditate. And meditation is not just a read a scripture and, and that's cool, but it's, it's read a scripture, think about it, memorize it, and then imagine it or see the picture, see the picture in the scripture. That's what we do when we, when we meditate. Some of us stop short, we read it, we memorize it, but we don't actually put a picture to it. Now the problem with that is our mind doesn't have the ability to uh, accept uh, concepts which are, which are, uh, which are you know, uh, uh, nebulous. They need something, they need a picture in which to be able to put the feeling to. For instance, if I say to you, uh, 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 I made up this word, uh, squintilicity is awesome. You are saying no nothing, that means nothing to me. But if I say to you, the fire on a cold winter's night is awesome. Immediately you're all smiling, you feel it, and you say, yeah, that is awesome. Now, the only thing that changed there is that you never had a picture for squintilicity. And uh, if you never have a picture for God is love, what happens is you say, I, I, I received that with my mind, but I don't feel it. Because if I say to you, uh, God loves you, you say yes. And, but you ask the person, do you feel that he loves you? 
It's a different question. So unless the person has an image, unless the person has a picture of God loving them, of a, a true picture of who God is to them and, and loving them, they don't have a picture to go with the concept of God is love. They don't feel it. And so I begin to think, okay, so I'm going to imagine my Jesus. I'm going to imagine the great shepherd. I'm going to imagine the shepherd from Psalm 23. As he's, and it's a good thing to imagine as a shepherd because, because uh, you know, because uh, the shepherd encapsulates so much of what, of what God is like. He cares for us. He loves us. He's always with us. He, he's providing for us. He's protecting us. He's laying with us. He doesn't go home at night. You know, he's just always there. He loves us. He carries us when we're sick. He, he, he wants to protect and, and, and love us. And so I, I, thought of my, I thought of the great shepherd. And I thought, as, as, and, and you do need to do this. You, you think of him and you see him coming towards you. You think of him. He's loving you. He's full of grace. He's full of favor. His eyes are shining. His eyes are sparkling. It's full of acceptance and mercy. It's this, it, he's inviting you. He's got his arms out. He's, he's loving you. Uh, he only has to would to do this, and he's doing it. He, he's true to his character. So would you do this? Yes, he would do this. He would love us. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy. So we always need to hear and always need to have a vision of God smiling at us. It's coming to receive mercy. It's coming to receive grace. You know, when a child's got a broken toy and, and, the, and the kid comes to the father to fix the broken doll, he doesn't say, get out of here. He smiles and says, oh, honey, let me fix that for you. With mercy and grace, always with a smile, that's what a father would do. And so I begin to imagine our father, and he's coming to us, and he's loving us. And here's the thing. If you just do it for a day, it may not be as powerful as you do it for a while, and do it, do it for, a, for, a, for a few days or a few weeks or months. Because what happens, neuroscientists tell us that the longer you imagine something, uh, after a while it, it forms tracks in your brain. And so you don't have to work that hard to see that same image and to feel that same experience. And so you just do it for a few days. And after a while, you'll find that you just, as soon as you think the name of Jesus, or as soon as you think that you're seeing him with you, you're seeing him hugging you, you're seeing him sitting with you. And so now you get, oh, I get in the car and he's there. And I jump up and, the, and I'm walking through the lounge and he's there. And I'm seeing him, I'm seeing him everywhere just because now I've got, new, I've got these little tracks in my mind which are imagining the truth. I'm imagining reality. He says, I'm with you. I'm always for you. I'm favoring you. I'm blessing you. And so that's what you sort of got to do. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus said, his point of reference was always the Father. I'm coming from the Father. Uh, I'm going to the Father. He says, my Father is always with me. My Father. And not only that, but I am with the Father as well. This is point of reference. The Father all the time. And so uh, we, can, we need to do that. We're coming from the Father. Every day we're, we're going back to the Father. And during the day, we know that our Father is with us his promise but here's the point for us to be with the father is our choice that becomes our preference father says i'll be with you that's his promise when we say i'm going to be with the father that's our choice that's our preference and so jesus walked around like you and me did just from the with the holy spirit and with the imagination of his of his father filling his mind filling his heart filling his life as he walked with his father what happens it changes your life it changes how you live it changed the way I live. Uh, it changes the way you speak to your wife because mm, Father's there. It changes the things you look at on TV because Jesus is, is with us. It changes how you spend time on the bus because Jesus is with us. And so I went down to the, I went down to the, to the uh, to McDonald's the other day and walked past this guy sitting on the street and I was going to walk past him actually, but because I was there with Father, I I sort of felt that he wasn't walking past him and I sort of stopped. And I thought, oh, okay. And so I went over and I asked the guy about stuff and, and had, a, had, a, had a bit of a chat. Got in the car and I said, you know, Lord, uh, I wouldn't have done that if you weren't with me. I wouldn't, have, I, I wouldn't have done that. So our life gets changed by what we are imagining. And we're imagining 
the truth. Just as we close, in the prodigal son's story, the prodigal returns to his father. And the father loves him. His father, you know, restores him, hugs him, throws his arms around about him. Um, But, you know, it's actually the father's celebration. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it wasn't the celebration of the son. The son didn't say, oh, let's celebrate, I'm back home. I mean, we do that in church, and that's cool. I mean, it's the son's celebrating that now they're with the father. But if you could see on the other side, what celebration is the father having? Because you are now with the father. So it's the celebration of the father because the children have come home. So the conditions for celebration in heaven uh, were met. Because when a son comes back to a father or a daughter comes back to a father and the daughter says, now I am with the father, the conditions are met for celebration from the father and the bestowal of favor upon the children. Just because you decided that you're going to return and you're going to be with the father. And it's always more than we can imagine. It's always more than we can imagine. He imagined bread, but he got a cow. He imagined he'd be the servant, but he became a son. The Bible says he does more than we could ask or imagine. So if we imagine to five, he does to 10. If we imagine to 10, he does to 20. If we imagine to zero, he's, he's bound because he can only do just above you know, our imagination. He imagined that he'd be received and he really was welcome. And so I want us to maybe just stand in his presence this morning. And I want us to stand up and I want us to imagine I want us to imagine the Father coming to you and He's bringing a robe and He's putting this robe upon you and what He's saying with this robe is, is Son, this is, this, is, this is my robe. This is the best robe in the house. This is the $10,000 suit. This is the very special robe. And when you walk down the street, everybody's going to know that the favor of the Father is upon you. And even if they don't know it, even if they can't see it, you will know that you're favored by me. You're favored by your Father. And then I want you to put this ring on your finger. And, I, and when you put this ring on your finger, I want you to see it and, and realize that just like a wedding ring, what this ring tells you is that you're never going to be alone. There is one person who is committed to you 100%. And no matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, God is always going to be on your side. He's one with you. You can't get away from his favor, from his purpose, and from his blessing. And when you reach out your hand and you see that ring, you're going to understand that you're going to prosper in everything you put your hand to, just like Joseph, who was favored. And then put these sandals on, because what these sandals tell you is that everywhere you go, the Father's favor is going to go before you. And you're just walking into favor. And you're just walking into the presence of God. And you're just walking into the things that He's prepared before you. And He's prepared a path before you for His name's sake. And so when you see the sandals, you're going to remember that actually everywhere you go, just like Hezekiah, is going to prosper in, every, in everything you do. And whithersoever you went, the Lord's blessing and His favor is going to be upon you. So, Father, today, 
we want to thank you for your favor. We, we want to thank you. We're asking, Lord, that we'd take back our imagination today. We're thanking that the blood of Jesus shed for us could pull down every strange and vain imagination in our mind. It would destroy every stronghold that's inadequate, Lord, that's, uh, that's dangerous or deficient, Lord, about what we think of you and who you are to us. We pray the blood of Jesus will cleanse and wash our brain, our imagination completely, and we will reimagine who you are in truth. Lord, that we'll be filled with a stronghold of who you really are in our life so we can live in your favor. Lord, we thank you that today. Thank you that today, Lord, as we come back to you, Father, to be with us, a son to be with our Father, the conditions are met for your celebration and for the favoring of your children. Thank you, Lord, that we can find the favor of our Father again. In Jesus' name.